right? Happy Father's Day. Uh, we did not do the gift give out. We, we couldn't quite figure out how to do it um, as safely as we'd like to, but we're going to make it up to you after all this is over, all right? So just keep that uh, in the back of your mind. We will make it up to you. Go ahead and grab out your notes or the Victory Church app. Some of you can say this part better than I can. Some of you have memorized, right? We take notes here at Victory because we believe God will speak to us in these moments that we have here together. Uh, you can jot some things down and then reference that in your spiritual journey uh, as we take it. If you like, fill in the blank versions of the notes like I do. Uh, we have those in the app, the Victory Church app. You can download that on your mobile device. Today I have a message for you about Father's Day, about how to be the kind of men that God has called us to be. And honestly, everything that we teach from, everything uh, that we study comes from God's Word. And so there's a lot of principles here for all people, men and women alike, that we can pull out of this story. But today I want to kind of gear it towards the men and towards the fathers of the house because you are under attack. Our culture attacks you, our, our basically the, the world that we live in attacks you, the devil attacks you, trying to keep you from the potential that God has for you in your life. The devil knows that the fathers of the house and the men of the house, that you have a potential God has put inside of you, that God wants to use you to influence your family, to influence the world around you. And so the devil has brought an attack for generations now against the fathers, an attack against the men of the house. And I just want to talk about a guy in scripture today whose life really didn't turn out the way that you think it should, and really didn't go the way that he thought that it should. But I want to pull some principles from it. In fact, if you want to turn in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 39 is where we're going to start. And if you're new to victory, uh, one of my favorite things to do in the world is to take a character or a story from the Bible, uh, from the Old Testament or the New Testament, and just pull principles out that God is teaching us through what they went through. Uh, and through the things that they experience. And so today we're going to talk about a guy named Joseph. He's one of my favorites, one of the uh, more famous of the Bible stories. And so Joe is the youngest of his family. He has 10 older brothers, and they do not like him. And he's the youngest, and he's a spoiled brat. That's just the way that it goes. All right, everybody? So he's a spoiled younger man. His father dotes on him and gives him a robe. And we kind of know Joseph's story. And as he grows up, his father starts to use him, because he's the youngest, as the spy on his brothers, right? To do a little reconnaissance, because Joseph is also a tattletale. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. You have that, that child who just wants to tell you everything else that the other children are doing. Come on, some of you are that child who likes to tell everything that the brothers are doing. And so his father would send him out to see what his brothers were doing, and so they didn't like him even more. And Joseph was not filled with a lot of great wisdom when he was younger, and so he also had dreams from God about leadership, and so he would tell them to his brothers, like, hey guys, I dreamed last night, I'm supposed to be in charge. Now, anybody who has a younger sibling, I'm sure you understand, when they come to you with their dream of, I should be in charge, so they didn't like him even more. And then he told his parents and his siblings, no, no, really, I dreamed, I should be in charge. And so he got everybody sideways with him. Everybody's kind of at odds with Joseph. Even his father rebuked him about the dream that he had. And so they all get sideways. So one day he goes out to visit his brothers who are at work, and they see him coming, this hated brother of theirs. And they see him from a distance coming towards them, and they just lose it. They say, let's just be done with him. Let's kill him. And so Joseph is coming towards them, and one of the brothers is like, guys, we can't do that. We can't kill our brother. And so we need to think about this. And so they take him, and they throw him in a pit. And then they sit around and they order some buffalo wild wings and they just kind of let the emotions settle, right? They just, they kind of wait. And while they're waiting and deciding what they were going to do with Joseph, some people come by and they decide, hey, let's sell him into slavery. And so for $250, they sell their brother into slavery. Now, we look down on them for that, but those of you who have ever fought with your siblings, if someone had come along 
at that moment and said, 250 bucks, I'll make them disappear. A lot of you would be depositing $250 in your bank account later. That's another sermon for another day. So here's Joseph, about 17 or 18 years old. This is where we pick up the story. This is where we, we find Joseph's life. He has these dreams of leadership, these dreams that he's supposed to be in charge, that God has created him for something amazing. He's had those dreams, but now he feels betrayed by his family, feels betrayed by his father with the dream that he had. He feels betrayed by his world. Honestly, he feels betrayed by God that he's now suddenly sold into slavery and headed to Egypt. And things aren't going the way that he thinks they should go. And he's trying to navigate this life that honestly is a lot of the problems that we as men and as fathers have to navigate in our lives. So we're going to learn from his story, all right? It would have been an opportunity really for Joseph to give up. I think in this particular scenario, I think a lot of us would have given up. But Joseph doesn't. Instead, he digs in. And honestly, he impacts more than just his own life, more than just his people and his family's lives. He impacts the world after him. So we're going to learn that, all right? I want to encourage you with the principles from Joseph's life. We'll pick the story up in verse 1 of chapter 39. It said, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So this is kind of his new boss, right, Potiphar? And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Now, I love this first principle, this first group of scriptures that we're going to study, because when his life takes a turn for the worse, if the Bible were telling our story, and each one of us can place ourselves in there. But if the Bible was telling my story, and it got to this point in the story, it would say, and then he pouted, and then he whined, and then he complained, and then he gave up. If it was telling the story of Ben in Genesis chapter 39, it would end with something like that, and that'd be the end of the story. It would go back to somebody else. But that's not what it says about Joseph. Instead, Joseph digs in. It says, and the Lord was with him. He leaned into that relationship with God, and so he prospered. He prospered. He said, no, my life may look like it's over, but I can still be successful in any circumstance. And you say, well, why? Because number one this morning, take, jot it down if you're taking notes, is that a godly man persists. A godly man is called to persist in every situation. A godly man knows that when adversity comes, it's an opportunity to grow, not an opportunity to give up. It's an opportunity to grow. And for Joseph, it would have been easy to quit. But here's a principle that I've learned that I wrote down in my notes many years ago. And jot it down if you're taking extra notes. And that is when faced with adversity, we can choose to get bitter or to get better. When faced with adversity and circumstances of life, we have a choice to make about those circumstances. And the reality is every season and every challenge that you face is an opportunity to grow. Now, here's the problem, especially for us as men, is we are led by our culture to believe that your success, or if you're successful or unsuccessful, is based on the circumstances around you. And the problem for us, if we have bought into that, and so the idea is if you want to thrive in business, or if you want to thrive in the world, you have to be from the right family, or you have to live in the right country, or you have to be the right business, or you have to have the right investors, or you have to have the right connections, or you have to have the right wife, or you have to have the right lifestyle, you have to have all these different things. We feel like to have the right city or the right section of business, and one of the reasons why we have so much trouble as men is that we have bought into that that our circumstances have to be perfect if we're going to be successful. And so we will start changing the wrong things in life to meet that. We'll start trying to change all of the exterior things in life. You ever see this? If you've never seen this happen in a person, they start trying to change everything that's external when the problem almost always is internal. The problem is always internal. Your life is not determined by your circumstances. Your life is determined on how you respond to those circumstances the way that you respond. Joseph is faced with a horrible set of circumstances. 
And yet because of the way that he responds, the way he leans into his relationship with God, we see that he's successful and that he prospers. Because he understood that the success of my life is not determined by what's happening around me, but by, but by what is God is doing inside of me. What God is doing on the inside. You see, we can have two perspectives in life. We can see ourselves as the victim or as the victor. Whenever you face a challenge in life, there's two perspectives that you can take. You can see yourself through the lens of a victim or you can see yourself through the lens of a victor. And when we see ourselves through that lens as a victor, we begin to see every opportunity we have to grow, every adversity as a chance to grow, that God can change things inside of it. It's what Paul said in Romans chapter five. He said, but that's not all. We also brag when we are suffering. Put that verse on your fridge, everybody. Just put that on. We also brag when we are suffering. You know, if you ever meet somebody, you ever find a man of weakness, a man who's not really successful, they'll always brag when they're thriving. A man of weakness will always brag when they're thriving. But you find a man of strength, a man of actual success, they won't brag about the million-dollar deal that they made or the, the business deal that they closed. They'll brag about the time that they went bankrupt and how they came through it and how they prospered after it and what they learned from that time. That's what they'll talk about. And so he says, I'm talking about my weaknesses. We know because that suffering creates endurance. And we know that the endurance creates character, and then character creates the confidence. And I love that word, confidence, because the reality is when you walk through horrible times in life and you're able to withstand the storm, you grow a confidence in your God that you cannot gain in the good times. When you go through times in life and God brings you through, you gain a confidence in the God that you serve that you could never attain in the peaceful times. And so Joseph is in a situation where he could have seen himself as the victim very, very easily. And I think most of us would have. I would have, if we're honest with ourselves. He could have seen himself as the victim. He's in a situation where he doesn't know the language. He's in a foreign country. He's been betrayed by his family. He's been betrayed by his father. He feels all these things weighing down on him, very easy to give up. But instead, he allows his endurance to grow. It allows his character to be built. And he gains the confidence that he says, man, it doesn't matter where I land or where I'm living or what the circumstances say. It matters what God is doing inside of me. I'll never forget in a time of transition uh, and confusion and frustration in my own life, I was watching a sermon online, a video of a sermon. And I remember the speaker that day, he stood up and he said, brothers and sisters, and I want you to jot it down if you're taking extra notes, God is more concerned with your character than with your comfort. And I believe that's one of the hardest things that we can come to grips with as Christians, as Christ followers, that God is more concerned with our character than with our comfort, that God will allow us to be very uncomfortable sometimes so that our character can grow, so that we can grow in our relationship with him. And that's the story of Joseph's life, a story of persistence, that it didn't matter what happened to him, he was able to thrive in every circumstance because he didn't give up. Verse three, the Bible says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Now, I want to stop there because there's a lot in these two verses that I think we run together. I think we just let the story just kind of go before our eyes and we forget about it. But I want to start to unpack a couple of things from here because there's a few things I think that are just incredibly practical for our life uh, and that can speak to us as men and women. Because Joseph has a dream he has promise. Yes, he does have a promise from the Lord that he's supposed to be a leader, that he's supposed, to, he's supposed to be anointed and called by God to lead. He has that. But the people that have been placed over him, and I want you to know this, the people placed over you in your life, they don't see that potential. 
They don't really see all that promise. They don't really care, honestly, what God has said to you in your quiet moments, right? The boss that is over your life, what they care about is what you are producing. The same with Potiphar in this story. He says he sees what Joseph did, all the things that Joseph did that he potential. So the thing that, he's, that he understands in this is that Potiphar sees what he did and then he promotes him because the hand of the Lord is on his life. He didn't bless Joseph and put him in a place of authority because Joseph had potential. He blessed him based on God's blessing and what Joseph was doing. And just because you have a dream of leadership, because you dream that you should be in charge and that God has given you that thing, just because you have it doesn't mean that you will automatically be put in charge. There's this little season in there that the Bible talks about that honestly is a four-letter word in our culture today called work. There's a season in there that God has called us to work. When he gives you a dream, there's a chance you're going to have to do something. And too many times in our culture today, we leave out that part. And so Joseph found favor because of what he did. So he worked hard. He got this opportunity. But it's not what you and I think. Again, I think we run these verses together. Because the first opportunity that he gets, when, when Potiphar puts it, he says he became his attendant. Now that word attendant, I looked it up for you, it actually means personal servant. He became his personal butler. So he wasn't in charge of nothing at this first part. So he did everything and then he had the opportunity, but it wasn't the opportunity to be in leadership, it was the opportunity to be his personal servant. And so he becomes the servant of all. And I didn't put this up on the TV, but I just want you to know, if you want to be a leader, a great leader, you have to learn how to serve. The Bible talks about this all throughout. Jesus talked about this all throughout. That if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you have to be the servant of all. And so Joseph learns this. He becomes a servant, a personal attendant. And it's a great message for men and women alike, those of us in our careers, that we feel like we have a promise to lead or we have a promise to be in charge. But maybe God is calling you for this season to serve. A godly man understands that you need to serve someone and so Joseph finds this favor, he got it, and then because he did that well, Potiphar puts him now in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. It said everything but the food that Potiphar ate, everything else was entrusted to Joseph's care. And so now God is beginning to bring this success into Joseph's life. He's beginning to get a little bit of momentum. He's understanding it's not what happens around me or what happens to me, but what happens inside of me. He's starting to have the success because a godly man knows in every situation how to persist. All right, then the second key today, jot it down if you're taking notes, a godly man knows how to resist. Because as soon as you start finding momentum in your life, as soon as you start finding some spiritual momentum, the devil will come with distractions. He'll come with distractions, tries to keep us as men, especially to get focused on other things rather than the call of God on our life. Now, for those of you who know the story, who know what comes next, I just want to remind you that our Victory Kids are in with us today, all right, everybody? That they are here from nursery age all the way up to fifth grade. And so what I did for this part is I went looking for the kids' translation of this story, and I couldn't find one that I liked, and so we wrote our own. Come on, somebody, we wrote. So just so you understand, for you purists out there, this is not a translation. This is a paraphrase of sorts. But I will not get nasty letters from parents this week, so I'm okay with it, all right? So that's what we're going to go with. Bible says back in our text, verse 6, Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come and bake cookies with me. <laughs> come on, somebody, that'll preach right there. That's what that... <laughs> But he refused. Come on, let's give. Now, for those of you, you're saying, yeah, that is my, I, cookies are my problem. Like, I just, that's a sermon for another day. I don't know. I can't help you with that. <laughs> but Joseph refused. You guys are distracting me. And though she spoke to Joseph, so this isn't a one-time refusal. He spoke to him all day after day. He refused to bake cookies 
or to even be with her, to even be around her. Joseph refused. And so this is a day after day refusal. Now, it is staggering, the statistics in our country, that 50% of all marriages, both inside and outside of the church, will experience that type of betrayal. In our culture today, 50% will experience at some point this type of betrayal. It's a culture we In fact, in America, statistics say they just released a poll that 74% of men and 78% of women say that they will bake cookies outside of their home if they could get away with it. And that's a problem. That's a problem in our culture today. Now, as godly men and women, I know we don't expect that kind of thing, and we don't set out for that to happen in our lives. We don't set out for that thing. We want to stay focused on what God has called us to, but the reality is the devil will always put distractions in front of us. He'll always come to try to attack our weaknesses. And for Joseph, it's a relational temptation. I'll show you in a moment. We need to understand our weaknesses. And here's a principle I want to give you. It's bad English. I understand that, but it is right out of our text. And it's an important part of the message today because who you be with will lead to who you become. Let that simmer for a little bit today, all right, everybody? Who you be with will lead to who you become. Don't set yourself up for disaster. Don't set yourself up for failure. You be with the wrong people, you're going to become the wrong people. You be with the wrong people, you're going to become the wrong people. And the devil knows how to get that temptation in front of us. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11 that the integrity of the upright guides them. Now, that integrity, that word there, it means a completeness or a wholeness. And the truth is, most of us are wounded. Most of us have wounds, especially as men. We don't escape childhood without at least a couple of wounds, a couple of things. And so it could be relationally. This guy, Joseph, his family had rejected him. They sold him into slavery. He's full of people that have walked away from him. His world is full of that. Or maybe for you, you were picked on. Or maybe your family didn't do what you thought they should. Or maybe your father wasn't even present. Or maybe just abusive. And maybe you had that wound from your childhood. And so for many of us, we are lacking in some areas. We're lacking in areas. We have a need for people to love us. We have a need for people to honor us. We have a need for people to want to be around us. And so we have this need. And if we don't process those in a healthy environment, the devil knows how to bring in the weakness and the temptations that we face. He knows how to attack that area. In fact, Every human on the planet, even Jesus was tempted in three areas. And for men, we call them the gold, the girls, and the glory. That you'll be tempted in one of three areas. That you either fall for the pride, or you fall for the stuff, or you fall for the relationships. We have to be aware of where our weaknesses lie. And then we have to have people in our lives, like other men that we can talk to honestly, who can speak truth into our lives. And then we have to have honest conversations with our spouse about the weaknesses and the things that we face. And Joseph probably had a need for other people to love him, He had a need for someone to be close to him. His family had rejected him, and the devil knows this. And so he attacks him in this area. He sends this person who's flattering him, who's honoring him. And Joseph knows this is a dangerous situation. I'm going to keep that away. He refused to even be around her. We have to watch that. And maybe for you, it's friends who maybe are trying to drag you back to a scene you were in in college or early in your career. Or maybe it's possessions where you feel like that's what I need to be successful or I need that wealth so that people will honor me. Whatever it is in your life, the devil's trying to sidetrack us, especially as men with some of these areas. It's trying to sidetrack us to keep us from the potential God has for your life. If you could just see what God wants to do in your life, how he wants to impact the people around you. But the devil's trying to get you distracted. So we have to make sure we're not only persistent in every circumstance, we have to be resistant to the temptations of the world. Well, Joseph resisted it. He did a great job. In fact, one day she just decides this thing is going to happen. And so she comes and she basically, she takes Joseph's robe and she says that he attacked her. 
And so Potiphar comes and he believes his wife over Joseph. And so he's so angry that now Joseph is thrown into prison. He's not just kicked out, he's thrown into prison. And so here's Joseph who tried to stand for integrity. He tried to stand for what's right. And now he feels like he's being punished as if he had done something wrong. And so he's thrown into prison. Potiphar not only fires him, he throws him into the prison where the leaders of the country throw their prisoners. So Potiphar is the captain of the guard. And so this is where the king, the pharaoh, would put his prisoners. So Joseph finds himself there. Now imagine, again, don't just skip to the end of the story. Imagine Joseph's life. He wanted to be a leader, betrayed by his family, in the pit, sold into slavery, got some momentum going, and now he's thrown into prison. And so he's reached kind of the bottom, and he finds himself at a kind of a crossroads where he could be at odds with God. But again, as we've learned from this story, that's not what he does. The Bible says he stays close to the Lord. And then again, in prison, he rises to a place of prominence and power. And he's put in charge of the entire prison. This guy is thriving in every environment. And so now he's assigned a couple of these guys, the cupbearer and the baker, who really made Pharaoh mad. And so now they're in prison, and Joseph is assigned over them. He's in charge of them. And so he brings them food, and he serves them, but he's in charge of that area of the prison. And so now they're in jail. They're down on their luck. And we'll jump forward to Genesis 40, verse 6. Joseph comes to them the next morning, and he saw that they were dejected. And I love this part of the story because Joseph has enough worries of his own. Come on, somebody. He has enough things happening in his own life to fill up the day of worrying. But it's not what he's doing. The Bible says he saw, he was still aware of the people around him. He saw that they were dejected. And so he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody, why do you look so sad today? In other words, what's going on in your life? Let me take some time out and actually help you. And let me just do uh, just a quick aside to those of you, and again, I'm speaking to the men and the fathers of the house, especially today. Those of you who are task-driven, who are more more task-oriented and who just want to get things done, if that's the way that you're wired, I want to remind you that a godly man sees the humanity of the people around him. And I don't know how you're wired, men and women alike. I don't know exactly maybe how you're, you're driven to accomplish tasks and things. But I know in my own life, I am very task-oriented. I like to get things done. I like to just go after it, know what A, B, and C is, and get A, B, and C done. And the problem with that is oftentimes I will overlook the people in my life. I'll do a terrible job at communicating, especially as a leader. I'll do a terrible job, especially at seeing the things that are happening, because I say we have to get this thing done. And we have to be reminded as men that our world is full of more than just tasks, but it's full of humans. It's full of people that we are called to lead and people that we are called to see. And Joseph, in the middle of his struggles, he could have been focused on a million different things, but he saw what was going on in these, lives, in these guys' lives. He saw the people that he was serving, and he says, how can I help you? So it's one thing also to notice. Watch what he does next. So then he asked, oh, sorry, back in that verse, he asked Pharaoh's officials, why do you look so sad today? What's going on in your life? How can I help? So it's one thing, guys, remember, it's one thing to notice, but a lot of us will just notice and then we'll say, well, if I ignore it, maybe they'll work it out on their own. You guys know what I'm talking about. We will say, like, don't act like I'm the only insensitive man in the room today, all right, everybody? We'll, we'll kind of notice there's something wrong and we'll say, Lord, just let it be over by tomorrow. Just let that thing kind of work out on their own, let that thing. But as men, we're called to not only see, but then also to care, and I just wanted to throw that out. That one's free, all right? I'll pay for the honesty. You might not, all right, everybody? So he says to them in the next verse, he says, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. 
And then Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. And so here's this man going through life. He's in charge of the prison. He's responsible for a lot of things. And yet he's sensitive enough to know something's going on in their life. And he asks them, okay, what could it be? Because a godly man not only persists, he not only is resistant to temptation, but then the third one, a godly man, is called to assist those in his life. We're called to care. We're called to love. It's honestly, as men, it's something we forget about that God has called us to be a servant. God has called us to serve those in our lives. Now, many of us realize that we should serve the people over us, the people in authority. We realize that it's a smart idea to serve those who are the gatekeepers of our life. We understand that, if you will, they're the ones that open doors and things like that and the key to promotion. But the principle we find in Joseph, I think, is incredible because he's serving people, these fellow prisoners of his, He's serving people that can't do a thing for him. And I want to just harp on this for just a moment because these people have no future. They have no life. They're in prison. They're probably headed for death. They have no part in front of them, yet he's listening to them, responding to them, asking how he can help, asking what he can do for them. Because jot it down if you're taking extra notes. True character is revealed when helping someone who can't help you. It's revealed in helping those who cannot help you. So the reality is, it may be wise to serve people who are in authority over you, but it is biblical to serve those who cannot help you. To begin to serve those who can do nothing for you. And these two guys on the surface really had no ability to do anything for Joseph. They're in prison, their life is coming to an end, they have no authority to get him out. They have nothing. And I think it's a great reminder for us as men to slow down a little bit. Notice the people in our lives, even the ones that can't promote your agenda. Even the ones who aren't in a place of authority to promote you, aren't in a place to help you in any way, it's important to know that we're called to serve and to lead them as well. That we're called to love them as well. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter two. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Let's be men of humility that notice the people in our lives, that notice the ones around us. And so Joseph takes the guy's dreams and he prays and the Lord gives him the interpretation. You can read it in your Bible. He tells her the cupbearer that your dream means that Pharaoh is gonna raise up your head and that you're gonna be restored to the palace. And he tells the baker, Pharaoh's gonna raise off your head and you know, you have no palace for you. And so he, he tells them the interpretations of the dream. And then he tells the cupbearer, he says, and when you return to that place, if you remember me, tell Pharaoh where I am. Tell him where I am. And so Joseph's a man after God. He's kept close to God. He's been persistent. He's been resistant. He's helped these people. He's assisted the people in his lives. And so the cupbearer gets back to the palace like Joseph said that he would. And he said that the dream. And of course, the cupbearer forgets about Joseph. He forgets all about Joseph. And so now Joseph is sitting in prison. He's been betrayed by his family. He's been betrayed in Potiphar's house. He's been betrayed. He's been cast down. And the one ally he thought he had in the world now has forgotten him. And he has this chance again, one more time, to get sideways with God. And he doesn't. But everyone else in the world has forgotten about him until one day Pharaoh has a dream that nobody can interpret. Pharaoh has a dream that nobody can tell him what it means. And so the cupbearer says, you know what? I remember a guy. Back when I was in prison, I remember a guy who could probably help us out with this. He could hook us up. We got to go find Joe. And so they go into the prison, they bring Joseph to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh tells him the dream, and it's amazing how Joseph responds. 
Because I think, again, it's different than how 99% of us would have responded here at the end. If we had gone through the path that Joseph has walked, if we had found ourselves incredibly successful in every area that we had found, and suddenly now we're brought before Pharaoh, because his response in verse 16, he says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. Like, this is his biggest moment in life. He has proven that he can interpret dreams. He's proven that he can be successful in every scenario. Like, I think we would have gotten to that place and been like, bro, I am, I am awesome at interpreting dreams. Like, you brought me out of the prison for this. I'm going to interpret dreams. I'll interpret everybody's dream. I am great. I am the man. Like, I have been through every scenario. I have had a promise from God. I have been successful. God is with me. I am who you need right now, Pharaoh. You are lucky that you found me. But that's not how Joseph starts this. He says, I cannot do it, but God. But God will give Pharaoh the answer that he desires. See, through all of this, everything that he's walked through, Joseph has kept one mindset in his life. He's kept one mindset in his life about being successful in Potiphar's house, being successful in the prison. Now standing before Pharaoh, the king of the land, he has kept the mindset that we as godly men and women have to keep in our lives. That when you walk through things and when God helps us to stay the course and he helps us to serve and help us to triumph in every situation, keeping this mindset that it wasn't us. It wasn't our tenacity. It wasn't our ingenuity. It wasn't something great about us. So the devil will try to make you think that it was. Try to make you think that in every scenario, it was you that brought yourself through it. It was you that interpreted the dreams. It was you that made yourself successful in the prison. Try to make you see that it was yours, but Joseph has never lost sight of it. it wasn't me, it was God. And as godly men and as godly women, we have to keep sight of this fact that it was God that brought us through. It was God that brought us to this place. It was God's promise and his plan and his hand on our life that brought us to this place that we're in. It's because of his power, because it's his strength. And so as godly men, number four as we close, a godly man learns how to submit. He learns how to submit at the end of the day, he knows it wasn't on my own ability. I can't do this on my own. It's because of God. So Joseph says, I cannot do this, but God will give the answer for Pharaoh. He says, you know, I, I can't do this thing on my own, but God will do it. Let me hear your dream, and God will give the interpretation. And so Pharaoh tells him the dream, and Joseph prays, and God gives the interpretation. And he tells Pharaoh, here's what's going to happen. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And not only does he interpret it, he gives them the wisdom from God about what to do next and how they should prepare for this thing that's going to happen. And so Pharaoh responds in verse 39. He said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You'll be charge of my palace and all my people are to submit. So here, Joseph, here's the promise that you dreamed about when you were a child. Now it's coming to pass. You'll be in charge of the palace. You'll be in charge of the people. All those things that happen will be in charge. You'll be in charge only with respect to the throne. Will I be greater than you? I want you to know that no matter what you walk through, no matter what the circumstances say, no matter what the storms of life try to throw against you, that there will come a time when God's promise will come to pass. That no matter what it looks like in the world around you, no matter what it looks like on the path that you've been called to tread, at some point, God's plan is always in motion. It's always happening around you, but at some point, his promise will come to pass. And so for Joseph, I know he had a moment here where he begins to see every stage of his life that led him to this point, and he begins to see God's hand in it. And if you ever study the story of David, 
where David stood out before Goliath and he realized that all of his life God had been orchestrating to meet him at that moment, to prepare him for that moment as he stood before Goliath. The same with Joseph. I know he had a moment here. We began to say, all of the paths that I've taken, everything I've learned, everything I've gone through that God has brought me in, the confidence that I gained by enduring, by suffering, by continuing to stay close, though, to God has led me to this moment. I just want to encourage you in your life. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what God has called you to, but I promise you his promises never fail. That God has a promise for your life. One last verse, Galatians chapter 6. It's from our prayer night on Wednesday. Just want to encourage you. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. And church, I know through the season that we've walked through, but also through the seasons that maybe you have gone through in your life, a lot of us have grown weary. A lot of us have grown weary in the things that we've done. A lot of us have grown weary in the path that we're called to walk. A lot of us have grown weary, but the Bible says, for at the proper time, don't grow weary, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. That promise that God has given to us, that as Christians, we would see souls changed, that we would see people come into the kingdom of God, that we would see people reached for the gospel. We would be able to preach the gospel of Christ to those around us. That promise that we would see our friends and our family get saved. The harvest is still there. It says, if we do not give up. Listen, I understand life is hard. I understand the world is against you, that culture is against you. That the devil is trying to attack you. As so many times, things are trying to keep us from becoming who God has called us to be. But even though your life may not turn out the way that you thought it should, Once you know God's hand is still on your life and if we do not give up, we stay close to him. We realize that it's him who brings the endurance. It's he who brings us through the things that we walk through, that his promise will come to pass. That God has called us to be men and women of God and that his hand is still upon us, that he still has a purpose for us, he still has a plan for us. He's still calling us to be who he wants us to be. Amen, everybody? Every head bowed, every eye closed today. I just want to pray with you as we close. I just want to pray with you wherever you are in your life right now. Some of you, you're in the pit. And you feel like your family has betrayed you. And you feel like like the world has turned against you. You feel like every relationship has failed you. And so for some of you, you feel like even God has failed you. And you're wondering where he is. For some more of you, you feel like all the odds are stacked against you that you tried to take a stand for what is right, but you feel like the world is punishing you like you did something wrong. I want to pray for you. For some of you, you may have found yourself in the prison and you think there's no way out of this place. I've reached the end. You think there's no way that the promises God had promised to me could come to pass. And maybe I had some momentum in Potiphar's house and maybe I had some momentum before, but now it's over. And if you find yourself in that, chances are you feel far from God today. And if you try to get out on your own power, chances are that your life is a bit of a mess. But I want to tell you that today, God is still as committed to that promise coming to pass in your life as he was when he gave it to you. And it's never too late to become who you might have been. That it's never too late to see the promise and the plan of God come pass in your life, that God still has his hand on you. But the only way for that to come to pass is to do this last point, and that is to submit. Only way to see the promises of God come to pass in our lives is to submit to him. 
to submit to Jesus Christ. And so today, I want to pray with you before we go. If that's you, if you say, I I thought I had a promise at one point, but I've wondered and I feel like God is a million miles away. Or if you say, I've never felt close and I want to come home. If you want to submit today, I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not trying to single you out or embarrass you. I just want to connect you with Jesus. It's not about joining a church. It's not about joining a religion. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, if you say, that's me. Say, I want to make that decision. Would you pray with us today? It's a simple prayer. I can give you the words to say, and the church is going to pray it with you. But you need to say it, and you need to mean it in your heart. And God will hear you. So come on, church. Let's pray this prayer. Right now, if God is drawing you, Come on, church, let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, I surrender. Forgive me for my mistakes. Forgive me for my sin. I accept what you did on the cross. And I submit to your lordship. Now say these words, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for every single person in our church, God. Lord, that adversity comes to all of us. But for those, Father, who are feeling betrayed today, those who are feeling alone, God, I pray right now, God, that they would sense your presence and know that you never leave or forsake us. God, for those who are struggling with temptation and maybe they've fallen into sin, I pray right now, God, that they would know you are the God of forgiveness, the God of transformation. Lord, they would know that greater is you who is in us than he that is in the world, that there would no temptation befall us, that you will not provide a way of escape. God, we pray right now for them. Give us strength. Give us endurance. God, for those who find themselves in the pit, betrayed by everyone around them, those who feel like success is never going to come back to their life, God, we pray right now. Show them that your hand is upon them. And God, we thank you that we can be the people that you've called us to be. God, that you are still changing lives. That you are still working inside of us. And that it doesn't matter what the circumstances say. That our God is still changing us. Still molding us. That your hand is still on us. That you'll bring us through every storm. That you'll bring us through every trial, God. We thank you. We'll give you all the glory and all the praise. And all God's church said amen and amen. Can you put your hands together for what God has done today? Thank you, Lord. Well, church, you're dismissed today. Remember, we have our Kids Zone service streaming directly after, then our Spanish service at 1130. And we'll have our prayer online this Wednesday night. And we'll see you next Sunday right here for Sunday service. Be blessed as you go.